Lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, Jazz Nation. Welcome back to Hashtag Jazz. My name is Jason Walker. I'm Trey Sanders. And we are ever so excited that Utah Jazz basketball is back. Oh, man. I've missed it. <laughs> I've missed it so much. I've, I haven't been this pumped about a season in a long time. Yeah, it feels a lot like last season where, or the year before that, um, back when we were all pumped about Gordon Hayward and we had Rudy Gobert and George Hill was coming in. It's just all this hype. They like, yeah, we can maybe actually do something with this season, and that's the mm-hmm. feeling we're getting with this season is that there's some improvements. We have an outside shot at, you know, maybe if we get a puncher's chance against a Golden State or, a, you know, a Houston, if we were to make it to the conference finals, like those are realistic expectations for this season, and it's amazing to have that. And, yeah, that's – that is definitely why a lot of Jazz fans are excited about this season. Oh, for sure. And I went to the preseason game last night against Adelaide, and I was kind of shocked at how many people actually showed up for that because you don't expect too many people to show up for a preseason game. I wasn't filled up by any stretch, but, I mean, there was a good amount of people. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are excited to see, you know, some of the players coming back, you know, Tabo Cephalosha is coming back, and um, and I was able to I was able to watch part of the game through some questionable streaming services. And so I saw a little bit of Grayson Allen. I know a lot of people are excited about uh, Grayson Allen playing. He played very well. Um, he did. And I can't remember. He did pretty well in the preseason. I've already – or the summer league. He did – I think he had a couple of rough games. Yeah, I've already forgotten. That was way too long ago. Should have yeah, I remember scoring-wise it wasn't that great, but he was your, he was multidimensional, so – yeah, fairly impressive. So I think, you know, from the moment when he was drafted, when a lot of us, you know, myself included, were uh, less excited about Grayson because he feels like one of those, you know, low-ceiling kind of guys, which I'm not a big fan of drafting low-ceiling guys. Um, I'm more like the, especially late in the round, take a flyer on a, you know, a high-potential, you know, kind of a boomer bust pick. Your Rudy Gobert's, your Giannis Antetokounmpo's, and every other draft pick that's like that that busted out, you know, because there's plenty of those guys that don't make the league. Yeah. Um, but the Jazz went with a, a guy they feel like they can just stick right into the rotation. And it'll be interesting, though, to see how he does fit into the rotation because I feel like, and I, and I believe we talked about this in one of our last podcasts, which were forever and a day ago, that – while we feel like he can jump in, there's not really room for him because his skill set is an NBA skill set. He's a shooter. He can pass. He can fill in at point guard, uh, you know, kind of a spot situation point guard. Mm-hmm. But who's he going to displace? You've got Ricky Rubio is going to be playing 30 minutes. Donovan Mitchell is going to be playing 32, 33, 34 minutes. I mean, between two guard positions, which Grayson Allen can't play the three, even in spot minutes. So that's 96 minutes in two guard positions and 60 of those are taken up by Ricky and uh, Donovan. And you've got to fill Grayson Allen, Royce O'Neal, Dante Exum, and somebody else I'm probably forgetting. Yeah. Alec Burks. I don't know 
I don't think Alec Burks can get many minutes, though. If he played like he did in the preseason game, he's going to deserve minutes, which is like this is some insane guard depth that the Jazz have here where they've got guys, so many different guys that deserve minutes, but there's only 96 minutes plus a handful of small forward minutes maybe available to guys like Dante Exum or Alec Burks. So, uh, who do you think rises to the top of that pile? Like, if you were to prioritize, who are your priorities for these guys? Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I mean, obviously, Ricky and Donovan are going to be your number one and two as their your go-to guys. Um, Grace and Allen, I see kind of creeping into more minutes, but I think uh, Quinn Snyder is going to kind of utilize him as kind of that rookie minute threshold. But I don't know. I mean... At this deep of uh, roster with that many players, I mean, it's just basically it's going to be kind of situational for him, and he's going to just be like, "Oh, look at all these other cards I can use to screw with you." Like, I just feel like he's going to use them however he really feels. I don't think any. I don't think we're going to see anybody besides Ricky and Donovan get like a set amount of minutes. Yeah, I think there's going to be some of these guys going to have a real short leash, which is unfortunate because I know Dante Exum's had a short leash for a lot of his career, and that's he's been prone to bad stretches, which has limited his development, uh, along with the injuries, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Burks has never had a long enough leash. Uh, and, you know, I, I, it's possible these guys could have like a six game stretch. I think Alec Burks last year had like a five or six game stretch where he was averaging like 13, 14, 15 points. I want to say my, my memory could be shot, but he had several really good games, including I think a couple of 20 point games, but he had a bunch of DNP CDs, you know, just sitting on the bench the whole game. Sure. Yeah. And you know what? We, we totally forgot about Raul Neto. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I told you I forgot somebody. There's there's another guy. He's a guy who is a serviceable point guard, a guy that can play. You know, he can start in an emergency, be a a backup if you need him to. You know, as much as for whatever reason I've said this before, when he's on the court I don't ever feel comfortable, but all of his plus-minus stats say he's a good, you know, at least a positive impact out there. So... Sure, but I mean, I think about the nightmare that um, any team is going to have to go through on scouting the Utah Jazz. I mean, they can scout for Ricky, they can scout for Donovan, and they can scout for Exum or Neto. But then if they've scouted for these players and they've got like their tendencies down during game time, Quinn Snyder could just throw in, say, Grayson Allen or Alec Burks just whenever the hell he wants, and then it, then they have they haven't prepared properly for that. Yeah, and a guy like Alec Burks is a guy who you can really inject, who can inject some life into an offense. Sure. One of the weaknesses of this team last year was bench scoring. Well, Alec Burks, his thing is scoring. Mm -hmm. And he's shown that throughout his whole career. You put him on there, and two or three plays later, he's scored eight points somehow and drawn a couple of fouls and hopefully not broken his leg. But, you know, it's... No, that only happens to Hayward. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's just that's mean i know i felt bad for Hayward because of that but like 
Oh, now we I can do make... too, but he's a year removed from the injury. He deserves yeah. it. <laughs> now, now that he can play again, now that he can play again, we can make fun of him for it. Call him gimpy and exactly. all that. It's just... Yeah. Now, I I kind of reserved all of my uh, my hate for later after that happened. Just like, let's not kick a man while he's down. You know, kick the crutches out from under him. But now we can hit him with those crutches that he's dropped. Yeah. So. No, he's back and he's talking smack. So. <laughs> He deserves it. <laughs> oh yeah, let's just say I, I don't know what happened with Gordon Hayward because, like, when he was here, I think a lot of fan bias. We were all saying like, you know, Gordon Hayward's a superstar. We're all defending him. You know, is a guy that deserves credit, and he did. He was underrated as an overall player, but you know, we're sticking him up as the face of the franchise. We're like, this is you know who we're sticking with. And then just in hindsight, it's just like, what were we thinking? This is a guy who is awkward as heck. He's like me. Like, if I were an NBA star, I'd be Gordon Hayward. Like, that's who I would be because I'm awkward as heck. I'm shy as as anything. And these weird things like that daddy's always happy moment, that would probably be me. Like, because that's just who I am. And, And so... I don't know, just it's now you, you look at what he's doing in Boston when we don't have that fan bias. It's like, holy cow, this guy is not fit to be the face of a franchise. Talent wise, yeah, probably, but you, you kind of get this sense of like Boston is like Boston has gotten the better of him and he's able to like kind of actually be himself for once and we kind of get a taste of what he actually was. Um, not to mention, I mean, he's around Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, uh, who else? I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to talk smack on, you know, like Jason Tatum or anything like that. I like the, I like the Celtics as a whole, but, um, I just, I love that Gordon's going to be healthy and we can just like shut him up. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I've already forgotten. I think I looked up the first day of the schedule came out when we were playing Boston. I think it's in, see, I've already forgotten. But uh, keep so, doing your thing. I'll look it up. Don't you worry about it. Oh, I've already looked it up. I already had the schedule pulled up. Oh, we play him. Oh. We play him at home on the ninth. So really soon, actually. So remember oh, last yeah. year, actually, they came to Utah really late in the season. Oh yeah. Like in February or March, we played them in Boston sometime in 2017. I don't know, November, September, October, one of those months. And then they didn't come to Utah. But now they're coming to Utah Friday, November 9th. So, I don't know. I might try and go to that game, and I don't try to go to a lot of games. Do you think Do you think he breaks his leg in this game? Uh, Grayson Allen might break his leg after he trips him. <laughs> That'll be the one oh, trip. Like, oh, okay. Sorry, it took me a second to realize <laughs> what you said there. That'll be the trip that I uh, don't feel as bad about. I don't know. Just kind of <laughs> overlook that one. What has he done, like three trips now? Of course, the Donovan Mitchell smacked Grayson Allen in the face once. That is true. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is the funniest thing. It's the Donovan Mitchell's totally embraced Grayson Allen, and at one point he was totally ticked at him. Well, that's just that's just competition, though. I mean, yeah, that's that's honestly part- like 
everybody should get used to the fact that Grayson Allen is going to piss people off either inadvertently or directly throughout the whole season. That's just that's just gonna that's his mo. We already have two people on our team that do that before Grayson Allen. So Joe, we've got another one. <laughs> we have three now. Like Joe Ingles was like in he was living rent free and probably getting paid to be in Paul George's head. Like just, oh, I love that game. Oh, oh they're so good. And and then Ricky Rubio has gotten into people's heads so much that he's gotten well, he got hip checked or whatever you want to call that. Oh, uh, by, uh, by Jeff uh, Teague. Yeah. And then he got decked by uh uh, what was his name? The chubby guy. Dudley, is that his name? Jared Dudley? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, well, I guess he got hit by Jared Dudley, and then Marquise Chris tried to take his head off. So, yeah, he uh, – Rick Rubio's got his own history. People pick on him, and then Joe Ingles just master of trolls. Well, that's what kills me about Rubio, though. Like – he just plays hard. He gets he like he gets in people's heads because he's kind of better than they am than they are, especially on the defensive end. Like he's all over the place. He's a long guy in most respects, especially for a guard. So in a lot of ways, he doesn't. The only way he did, I guess, would deserve that is because he was just better in a, at anticipating things than the other guys. Because I, I look at Ricky Rubio, I'm like, that's a really nice guy. Like he's always got a smile on his face. Like I don't, I don't know. With Joe Ingles, I mean Joe Ingles, he talks smack, so of course he's gonna get what he it is deserved. And and now uh, Ingles is gonna take Grayson Allen under his wing and be like, hey, next time we play OKC, you and I got Paul George. <laughs> like <laughs> he's gonna show him how to do the same thing to Russell Westbrook. That'll be who he's guarding. And the next thing oh, we yeah. know, Russell Westbrook's gonna be swinging at Grayson Allen. Right? Oh. oh, it's going to be glorious. <laughs> it's, it's also funny just how Grayson Allen, he always has, like, the same expression on his face. Like, after he's tripped somebody, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I did that. Just walks down the court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's part of the infuriating thing. It's just, like, whenever somebody just, you know, it's like Derek Favors, he always has the same look on his face. And I think Ricky Rubio might be the same way, too. It's just, like, they they don't change how they look, you know, Donovan Mitchell guys like Stephen Curry, you know, a lot of the stars, they, you know, they're all energy and smiling and making faces and all that. And it's just like, then you got some of the other guys that just like, I'm just going to do my job. Yeah. And, and it can be annoying sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes more annoying than the Joe Ingles who will jaw all the way down the court in your ear. Mm-hmm. So, all that with a guard rotation. I don't know if we solved anything, but you kind of get an idea for the job that Quinn Snyder has. The whole wing rotation, like, because I went through and I tried to set up some minutes rotations, and I'm not the only person who's done this. Some other people um, that I work with, they've tried to build minutes rotations and see, like, what is it going to look like? Well, it's, we don't know. Because somebody's going to have to rise to the top. Because I think I mentioned this before, there's five or six guys between positions one through three that deserve around 20 minutes a game. But that's not going to happen for six guys. It's going to happen for like three of them. Maybe four. So somebody's going to rise to the top. One of the guys that I'm hoping rising to the top as we transition here to another guy 
and kind of into the power forward position will kind of mix into this because I'm really curious what the Jazz are going to do with the four. Because, and I don't know how we didn't notice this last year, but we don't have a power forward on this roster, really. Like, the closest thing we have to an actual power forward, I think, is George's Niang. Mm-hmm. You know, a 6'9", 220, 230-pound-something guy. Um, who actually, I actually met him over the summer. So, just oh, cool. pushing myself. I interviewed him for a – he did a jazz camp up in Logan. But, I mean, he's a fringe guy. He's not going to play. Except when the Jazz are blowing some team out by 50 points or whatever. Or 30 or whatever in, like, the last couple of minutes. He'll get on the court. Um, so Derek, Derek Favors is the starting power forward, but he, his, probably his most important role is that of backup center. That's where I feel like a lot of his value is. There is value with him being with Rudy Gobert on the floor, but he's our only, I guess, Ipe Yudo kind of plays backup center, but he's another one of those fringe rotation guys. So we're going to have guys like Jay Crowder, maybe Joe Ingles, Tabo Cephalosha, probably forgetting somebody else. You know, all those guys playing power forward where their more natural position is probably the three, which I I think I'm hoping it works out. And it will probably only work out because the NBA has shifted so much to a small ball four, where even though Jay Crowder is only six six, he's only going to be lining up against you know, say what? Um yeah, I just I don't know if we're going to see any struggles defensively at the power forward position. I doubt it because we didn't see any struggles last year because the best lineup, I think, in the NBA from the trade deadline to the end of the season was Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Crowder, and um, Gobert. So still it is going to be interesting because, yeah, we don't have a true power forward besides – Kind of Derek Favors, like, what what are you thinking to see out of the uh, the power forward position? Um, I know you talked about Jay Crowder. Well, I, I'm I'm just super stoked on Jay. I was stoked about him when he got here for, through the trade, um, but little did I know that because I watched uh, the majority of the interviews from uh, Media Day, and little did I know that. I don't know if this was ignorance or what, but Jay lost his mother the start of last year. And, you know, he was starting his season with Cleveland. It was tumultuous there. He didn't fit in. And then uh, to get traded here to Utah, like he was grateful for it, but he was, he himself said, you know, he, I thought I was, I thought I didn't like the game of basketball anymore and my heart wasn't in it. And like, I still played, but I didn't really like basketball anymore. And just like him, not only like big smiles on his face, but like he started the whole entire interview with um, David Locke and Ron Boone, where Ricky sat down in the chair and he comes over like, no, rock, paper, scissors. He does rock, paper, scissors with uh, Ricky Rubio. He wins it. And like, he just is so much more full of energy. And I think we're going to see um, the Boston Jay Crowder this year because one, he's accepted the fact that, you know, yes, his mother passed and he's still bum- he's still bummed about that, but he looks like he's in a better place mentally. He said he lost 14 pounds, so he's going to be more agile. He said when playoffs hit, he just ran out of gas. 
Um, so I think that we're going to see a much different um, Jay Crowder this year. Um, and are we even going to see – we've got Tyler Cavanaugh. I don't even know who that is. I'm looking like do power forwards here. But yeah, I'm like- super high on Jay Crowder. And Tabo, as long as he stays healthy, and he's even said he's going to embrace the fact that he's going to play a lot of four. Yeah, and and I think having a you know a, the the Boston version of Jay Crowder, especially that sixteen seventeen, so you look at you know when he played with the Jazz, you know he was one of those guys that you know you see him on the court and it's like all right we're good you know it's not like we're playing four on five or anything, but you look at his actual numbers. I mean he averaged eleven point eight points per game, which is you know pretty good uh, for a bench player you know, a guy playing 27 minutes, but he shot 38% from the field and 31% from three. He was not efficient at all. But no, that, not that, at all. But that last year in Boston, or even the, the two years kind of, he shot 39, like just barely under 40% from three a couple of years back. And it was just way more efficient, 46% overall. So, yeah, that you're getting that Boston Jay Crowder with – and you think about how inefficient he was offensively. Again, going back, he was part of the most efficient lineup offensively, defensively, or at least, I guess net rating, um, mm. even with those offensive inefficiencies. So you add on, you know, he's not necessary. He's not Kevin Durant out there, but make him an efficient shooter, nail some corner threes and all that, you know, some easy layups, and that is a scary a scary thought for opposing teams that, you know, you send Derek Favors to the bench and suddenly they've gotten better almost. It feels like. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're not having, you know, you don't have interchangeability at the power forward spot, but you have power. <laughs> Jay Crowder doesn't back down from anybody. Dude's only 6'6", but even, I don't know if this is updated, but showing it's 320 or 235 pounds, that's still a lot of weight, man. That's See, I think that's the weight. old one, though, so he's probably closer to 220. Yeah, and not only has he leaned up, but so did Favors over the offseason. Um, yeah, that's wow. the one I'm excited about because I think Derek Favors, he's knowing that he might play more power forward than he used to you know, just you know, play more with Rudy Gobert and also just the fact that centers nowadays need to be more lean. He can't be a 260-pound center because he's got to be able to guard. You know, they're going to switch him on to Steph Curry or Devin Booker or who else. You know, they'll just isolate him on a guard. And he's got to be able to mostly stay in front of them or at the very least be able to catch him when they're driving by. Mm. So that that's something I'm really excited about with Favors. It'll also help him with his health, his athleticism, and just, just – you know, we always overlook Derek Favors. He's perpetually overlooked, even by me. And I've got a Derek Favors jersey hanging in my closet. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even watching him last night, man, he just—he looks like he has a lot. He's more nimble. He looked a lot more nimble. He was moving with like a bounce in his step. His lateral movement had improved. Um, and just looking at him, he looks more like not that he never wasn't intimidating, but he looks more intimidating. Yeah, it's, it's, I've always loved Derek Favors. He's at its best when he's down there in the paint and you're dishing it off to him and then he goes right up for a dunk because he can dunk in traffic really well and just get that ball up in there. Very efficient around the rim and he's always a deadly 
deadly at pick and roll. He's been one of the best. So it, it will be interesting to see what we see from the power forward with the Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert lineup. Because one of the big weaknesses, the reason we lost to Houston, or we're you know we were just basically outclassed by Houston, is they'd switch onto Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert, and they'd run him through the you know, run him through a spin cycle, you know, with mm-hmm. Chris Paul and James Harden, and now we'll see them be a little more nimble, a little more able to guard you know the guards. I think Rudy Gobert talked about that in his media day. You know, being able to get on on the perimeter. That's one of Rudy Gobert's biggest weaknesses is defense. Is that he's horrible on the perimeter. He doesn't know what to yeah, do yeah. out there. Yeah, when he said he, he said he got better with his footwork. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest key with going out on the perimeter. And even if he's going to improve on offense, is he's got to be able to have footwork in the paint. Hmm. Yep. Which we just, did get a glimpse of that last night. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't see much of Rudy Gobert out on the court, so. Oh, yeah, I mean, he played probably uh, halfway through the second quarter, and then they put him on the bench the rest of the night, but. Yeah, I think that's about where I picked up was when he was probably already on the bench. Yeah, there was a play. He got got the ball, high elbow, and then he turned his back. He was holding it off. He let, um, he let the play develop a player. I can't remember who it was. Ran the curl from the from the elbow where he was around down kind of to the, the uh, corner three, and in that same action he turned his back, took a dribble. Another guy came over to grab the ball and he swung the ball in and just took his two giant steps and dunked on like two guys. <laughs> and I'd never seen him do that before. Yeah, well, that's. I am hoping to see something out of Rudy Gobert offensively, and maybe that's that's a good sign. You know, the biggest complaint I've had is that, look, if we switch on, you're on some six-foot-five guard, you should be able to put that ball in the basket. Right. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be Carl Anthony Towns out there on offense. But it's those little things where if they ignore you and they, they discount your offensive ability, you make them pay. Right. Yeah. And we have seen that a little bit because he's had his 20-point games and whatnot. But they're the kind of DeAndre Jordan style twenty point games where it's just a collection of putbacks and pick and roll actions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He said he's working on his jump shot and uh he has like a running hook. So I'm okay with that. We'll see how good it plays out. I did hear that um he actually won the three point contest and the team meet and greet on Friday night. Pretty good. So I was like yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> Did the rest of them not show up? I don't, I don't know. I, I think that Joe Ingles was a part of it. And uh, if you beat Joe Ingles, I don't, uh, that's either one, worrying that Joe lost his touch or that Rudy's just figured out how to shoot the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Rudy Gobert needs to be shooting more threes. I think I did see something where it was like Twitter video, except it was like, Really weird. I think it only showed like Rudy Gobert shooting like one shot. I don't even know if you could tell he shot or made it. Yeah, he shot like three of them, and then he just like made the money ball, and everyone freaked out. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Get Rudy Gobert out there with some range. <laughs> that that just. Be I've insane. only ever seen that happen in two K, and that was like me shooting a desperation three and making it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what you do, like, at the end of the game when you're beating your buddies by, like, I think I was beating somebody I was playing as a jazz, and it was at the end. It was like, Rudy Gobert's got to make a three. <laughs> yeah. Just shooting these shots, just bricking them all over the place. <laughs> I've made threes with Derek Favors, though. He's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe one more topic. We're getting around the 30 minute mark. Uh, you brought up beforehand the, uh, the throwback jerseys. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> these things, these beauties. I, I've been saying they need to go back to the, I'm not the only one. I'm one of about 10,000 people that have been saying that we need to see those, you know, Stockton Malone era jerseys and, they're finally coming through. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh my goodness, the purple and the yellow—they look so good. I'm, I'm so buying one. I'm so buying one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think about. It. I might buy me a, a Donovan Mitchell one, or yeah, because right now I'm all stacked up on the big men. So uh, I gotta maybe go back into the guards. Maybe a nice Joe Ingles one. Yeah, I think I'm gonna get me a, a Joe Ingles one. Yeah, just. Just to avoid the stars. It's Rudy Gobert's a star. Yes. And I honestly, I don't know if I'm in the minority here, but I always liked the jerseys. They had like the purple and the black and the white. They're like three different versions that had like the mountains in the background. I always sure. thought those looked kind of nice. I feel like most people tend to not like those as much, which, you know, that, that's fine, obviously. But to be honest, my first jersey was that was the purple one with the mountains in the background. Was a Danielle Marshall jersey, <laughs> oh, wow. of all people. He was my first favorite player. I don't know why, he just was. Huh. Then it Very was Matt, interesting. Yeah, then it was Matt Harpring, which makes it hard because Matt Harpring, you know, one of my first favorite players, but I don't like him as a color commentator. Yeah, no, they need to. They need to do something about that. They just fire all their commentators and color analysts and whatnot. Um, although, is it Ron Boone? He's not bad. If I'm thinking Ron, of the right person. He's not bad, but Ron Boone tends to be in his own world sometimes. I love David Locke. I feel like he should take over for, uh, um, what's his name? Does TV. Craig Bolajek? Craig Bolajek. I love, uh, there's sometimes I do love Bolajek, but sometimes it's like, You've been doing this for how many years, and you say some things that I'm just like, what are you talking about? See, I don't like David Locke. He's really arrogant and full of himself. He's also extremely knowledgeable. Yeah, so that is true. But it's just for a guy who I've heard so much about and how completely insufferable he is. Mm. And he's, he's been really petty in the past. But like you said, he's a guy that's good at his job. Um. Although I used to hate how he called games. I feel like in recent times when I've listened to him, I think he's just gotten better. He has. Because I used to absolutely could not stand the way he called games. But I think he's he's done better. So I guess props to him for getting better at your job. You never really notice a commentator get better. Mm-hmm. Can we just find the the Tony Romo of basketball commentators? Wait, like, what? What does that mean? What does that even mean? Oh, I should say the Tony Romo, the color analyst. Do you, you watch football? Me. Oh, sorry. So no, Tony Romo. I don't he's... watch Handig. Oh, 
Well, because Tony Romo, he's now like a color commentator for CBS, the football games. Okay. And he is the best color commentator for football I've ever listened to. You talk about being knowledgeable of the game. You remember when he was like, people were talking about how he's predicting what teams were going to run. Like before the play, he'd say, they're going to run to the right. And they'd run to the right. And he's like, he's really good at breaking down the game. He knows what teams are doing. He explains it really well. So he's like an awesome color commentator. So why was he ever a quarterback? Because he was also good at being a quarterback. Was he? I think he's really underrated. I thought he could have won a Super Bowl with a good team around him. Yeah, well, not it's not it was never going to happen in Dallas, but yeah. Yeah, but like you stick him on all the Patriots or maybe one of Peyton Manning's Colts teams or you know whatnot, then he'd have had a like good a chance. Do I mean as the starter? <laughs> like if he replaced Peyton Manning in one of those Colts teams or that Broncos oh, team in like yeah. 2014 or whatever it was the year that Peyton Manning threw for like 5,500 yards, like if you were to kind of replace him, he could have done pretty well and maybe won a Super Bowl. Hmm. Okay. Right. So that's what I mean when I say the Tony Romo of color commentators. Okay, okay. I realize now that was not the greatest reference to make because he's still a quarterback in all of our minds. Yeah, as I say, I, I, I'm glad you clarified that because you, you lost me real quick. Yeah, because Craig Bolajek's the Tony Romo of uh, just regular commentary, the quarterback version. <laughs> this is mediocre he'll do the job yeah but you can do better however i will say i like uh, to go back to what you were saying like you're not so i don't even i don't remember the words you used but uh the more the, the less elite the less legal uh ways of watching the basketball games <laughs> i will say that um we have some pretty darn good uh commentary for the our local team here compared to a lot of other teams like a lot yeah i i have heard some some other ones and they're not very good but at least i don't maybe i don't know if this is a good thing but the clippers they fired one of their color commentators oh Um, really you remember this it was because he made some remark about Kawhi leonard like Something to the effect of he's kind of being a baby or something in that, in that range. You know, saying that Kawhi Leonard was in the wrong, and so the Clippers fired him, presumably because the Clippers think they can sign Kawhi Leonard. Mm. Which huh. they probably won't. But you know what? I've not seen like half of these deals coming that have happened. You know, Kawhi going to the Raptors. You know, all these different things. Anyway, that's about all we got. Uh, We're going to start things up again. We're going to be doing this every week, or mostly every week. We'll probably take breaks when they come up. We'll let you know. Um, But thank you so much for listening. We're Again, we're really excited. We actually are super excited for this season, if you couldn't tell from our tone of voice today. It starts up the, the 17th, October 17th. That's the first game. First home games against Golden State, I believe. So. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. There's only two sports I ever care about during any given year, and it is hockey and basketball. Unfortunately, hockey happens happens around the same time the basketball does, but I could care less about hand egg. Um, I do like the actual football. Um, Football. And, um, yeah, screw football. Uh, Basketball's back. That's all that matters. (laughs) 
yeah, I'm, I'm a lot. I'm a lot more invested nowadays in the Jazz than I am in my New England Patriots. Though I am getting into the rhythm with the Patriots. So, anyway, again, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.